Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. Hello. Welcome to the last movie of the season. Movie yeah, episode. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, this is the last one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, well, I thought I was being trolled for a moment. I thought you were about to say, no, there's another one. A secret hidden movie. Well, technically, there could be like multiple movies in this spot. It could be like a nine movie spot. You'd never do that. I know you'd never do that because you literally walked into my house and said, I'm tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> oh my so God. So I know if you yeah, knew no. that there were multiple movies, you wouldn't do that to yourself. You always know you're safe from something like that because it hurts me just as much as it hurts you. It doesn't hurt me at all. I'm usually fine. <laughs> yes, it would. Nine movies? I could do it. Besides could... the recording, Bob. That means you'd have to edit and release nine movies in a week. No. Yes. We would. It would be edit and release nine episodes in a week. Look, I, I think by the ninth episode, they would be the episode of the podcast would be us introing, and then going the episode's over. Goodbye. We, I, and we know we go. We watched it. Goodbye. I'm just telling you what would happen, and that your statement it would not hurt me is completely incorrect. You're so right. I hadn't considered the editing process on nine fucking episodes in a week. Yeah, it would be basically worse than convention prep. That is the worst thing we've ever done. Yeah. In terms of time, time stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was abysmal. Well, technically, I think, was convention prep worse or was the, the Friday the 13th worse? Friday the 13th, 13th was easy. Oh, yeah, because we did that slower. Yeah, early convention prep. Well, because there was that one week where we literally dropped an episode like... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or something. Yeah. Because we had like holidays. holiday two holidays in the middle and then like some other bullshit. Yeah. That was that was that was bad. Yeah, that was tough. Tough on the soul. Anyways. Yeah. Do you have do you have news? Ah, yes, I have lots of news. Plenty of news for you, Benjamin. Do you have anything you want to talk about first? Because this is a long one. I got a lot of shit. I brought this up to Bob last week, not on the podcast, but I, I thought I'd bring it up. I got a QLED TV. For my house. Oh, hell yeah. Which is, you know, it's not LED. But the big thing with QLED is that it does, like, blacks really well. Oh. So the TV we have in our our podcast setup is an LED TV. Mm -hmm. It does not do blacks very well. The difference between those is night and day. Mm. It's insane. So what I'm hearing is we should record at your house. (sighs) (laughs) Technically, we could, yes, but that would be its own struggle. Yeah. No, you're right. But, yeah, theoretically. I, I just thought, if anyone's interested and you want a good horror movie watching experience, mm. uh, first of all, upgrade your TVs to higher definition. That's just a general thing. But sure. uh, if you watch stuff with a lot of blacks, the QLED stuff works really well. Okay. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Look, guys, this is a long one. I got a lot of news because a little veil behind the curtain. We've been recording a week in advance. So this is all of the news from last week mixed with all the news from this week. You forgot to mention we we didn't record this one a week in advance. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. This is being recorded the week it comes out. So I got a lot of shit to go through this time. So this will be long. Uh, there's a new found footage film coming out. It's Actually, so I write this down before it came out. It's out by now. It is available on video on demand. I don't know where you can find it or what, like, services. It's called... It's a cryptic... Okay, hold on. It's a cryptid film. Are you okay? Sorry, I'm I'm trying to think <laughs> about how to describe this. Bob, do you smell toast? You know that's not true. 
don't care. Do anyway. you smell toast right now? Because that's a completely separate issue. I had toast issue. earlier. Anyway, there's a cryptid film coming out. Do you know what cryptid it's for? Just take a guess. It's one that I've never even heard of. Well, that you've never heard it's of? It's a found footage film. What, what state is it set in? Oh, Lord. I didn't write that down. It's set in like a wet area, like a swamp of some kind. Or is like it a like a watery area? Like a bog, maybe. It's not um, Skunk Ape, right? <laughs> it's not Skunk Ape. I know okay. that one. Is it the uh, Heartland Love Frog, whatever it's called? Close. Loveland Heart Frog? What, how, what is the name of that thing? Is it the frog? It's frog related. Okay. There's a new cryptid film called Frogman. It's a oh, found okay. footage cryptid film. The reason I wrote it down is A, I like cryptids. We both think they're cool. Both big cryptid fans. But B, it looks really cool. I watched um, a small trailer and then uh, looked at some of the art. And the actual, like, Frogman monster looks really sick. It actually looks really cool. Uh, so if you're interested in that, it looks like it's on VHS right now. On Like, you can buy, go to the website and buy it on VHS. And also, on March 9th, it's going to be on video on demand. What's, what's the name of that movie? Frogman. Oh, just Frogman? Yeah, it's a found footage film. I thought it was cool. That's why I wrote it down. A lot of these things I wrote down, it's because I think they're cool. Uh, okay, this one is related to the podcast because, you know... It is about the Loveland Frogman. Oh, is it? Is it the Loveland? I didn't know that. Yeah. I should have done more research, but I just kind of wrote down Frogman in my notes for real. But it looks cool, right? I guess. I mean, it's it's the Frogman. He's from Ohio. Mm, didn't know. Ohio. We live near Ohio. Really? It's not that far. Anyway, next piece of news. We both love shitty B-movies. They're like kind of one of my favorite kinds of movies. What? No. Uh, like we both love trauma films. Toxic Avenger, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. That movie's fucking hilarious. We haven't watched a Full Moon Studio film on the podcast yet, but they do stuff like what? Killer Bong? No, didn't we? No. I feel like we watched something. I don't think we did. Didn't we watch Reanimator? Isn't that Full Moon? Reanimator is not Full Moon. I think it is. There's no way. Are you serious? I think so. You're a maniac if you think that. Unless you're right, in which case you're right. There's no way, right? Now I'm curious. Okay, this is why I was confused. So Empire International Pictures is the people who made it, but that's owned by Charles Band, who's the founder of Full Moon. Full Moon. So okay. I think it got eaten by Full Moon. Oh, okay. So cool. technically, I think it is now currently a Full Moon feature. That's cool, actually. It kind of makes sense. But Full Moon Studio who, you know, have done stuff like Killer Bong, other wild B-movies in the, the trauma sense, has announced a new thing they're doing titled Full Moon's Pulp Noir. It's set to be a slate of films that, according to Charles Band, head of Full Moon, are 10 fantastic films that go just a bit farther over the line into the phantasmagorical abyss. They include, this is the list of films he, like, and not names of the films he announced. Quadrant, Death Streamer, Subscriber, Subhuman, Bad CGI Werewolves, Zombie Hotel, Surprise Party, and Lost Girls Private Diary. Oh, and also Svengali 2024 and Hourglass. Um, I love Subhuman. It reminds me of you. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> I like Bad CGI Werewolves. It reminds me of you. I, You're I was, hairy. I mean, I don't know. I guess. Look, I had, to, I had to come out I with do. something, bro. Like anyway. A full beard right now. Um. All these films are to be filmed in 2024 uh, with fans being able to directly involve themselves through Full Moon's Patreon. So if you like Full Moon and you think they're cool and you're interested in any of the movies I just listed, just based on their name, 
or like the ideas behind them. If you want to give them money to spend on shitty CGI werewolves. If the movie's called Bad CGI Werewolves, that's awesome. Isn't it? I mean, yeah, but still. My point still stands. Yeah, you can check out their Patreon and go support them. I like Full Moon. I think they're cool. And I love, you know, in a world where studios are getting eaten up by bigger studios all the time, Full Moon and Trauma are two of the studios that I'm like, I support you guys. You guys are my friends. They're the ones that I really like. Next thing, news about Saw 11. Kevin Grutert, I think that's how you say his name, I don't know, uh, is returning to direct the next installment. So he has directed, uh, of course, he did Saw X. So if you're a fan of the last film, get excited about it because this one will hopefully be more of the same kind of stuff because I've heard really good things about Saw X. A lot of people liked it. Same directors coming back for Saw 11. Uh, and they also announced that Saw 11 is announced to take place between the original Saw and its first sequel, and it releases in theaters September 27th, 2024. So they're not progressing the Saw timeline. They're doing movies between the other movies still, which is kind of cool. Because I know Saw X is set <sighs> after the first film, but before the second film? It makes sense. That whole timeline's fucked up. Yeah. So this one is also set there, which is pretty cool. Ah, you're going to be excited about this one, because I know this is like one of your favorite movies. There is a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in the works. There's nothing confirmed other than that it's happening or that it's like in production or they're working on it because it's all being kept really hush-hush because it's Texas Chainsaw. But there is a rumor floating around of a name and a plot summary for the new Texas Chainsaw film. The name is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Legacy. Okay, so look, you say I'm excited. Let me let me tell you something about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, right? Yeah. The first one is very, very, very good. I've heard good things. We haven't seen it yet. The second one is also very good in a very different way, but it's also very funny. After that, though, (laughs) after that, though, it gets very debatable. I mean, that's how I feel about Friday. So why, you know. However, what I'm going to say here and, uh, you know, hot take. I'm not sure if I've said this before. I might have said it before. The newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre film is horrendous. Like bad? It sucks. Damn. It's bad. Mm. Besides the fact that the very concept of it is kind of stupid. Okay. It just wasn't very enjoyable. It was a Netflix film. Uh, and it kind of sucks because I was, I was kind of excited for it. But if you don't know the premise, it's set like now with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre film having happened when it happened. Oh, okay. So it's a soft reboot. Uh, but that does make Leatherface old, like 60-plus years old, hmm. but still doing all his Leatherface stuff. And it's like, Jesus Christ. It's the same issue with all the new Halloween movies. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I just thought I'd bring it up because I know you like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I know. It's just it's such a iffy series hmm. because the concept is not unique anymore, but yeah. also... So easy to make a a gruesome film that isn't very good. No, that's totally fair. I get what you mean. Like, it's kind of hard to handle and make, like, a great film. Yeah. Next thing. We watch a lot of Australian and New Zealand films on this podcast. A lot. I mean, we've watched a handful, and they've all been very More than most good. people watch. Yeah. Is probably the best way to put that. But there's a new Australia-based horror film that starts pre-production soon. It is called Feral, and it is about the horrors of a pack of wild hogs in a massive dust storm, which I think sounds so cool. 
Hopefully. A lot of the, the big, like, you said feral hogs, right? Yeah. A lot of the big, like, pig movies. Looking at you, Hogzilla. <laughs> we still haven't watched Hogzilla on the podcast. I've seen Hogzilla. Uh, a lot of those big pig movies aren't really good. Yeah, but they sound fun. They they are, but I think at the end of the day, it's because those movies tend to be, like, low-budget mm-hmm. kind of B-movies. But they're low-budget B-movies a lot of times made by not necessarily great companies or companies at all. Because I think for a lot of people, they go, oh, it's a it's a movie about a killer pig. That's not scary. Because, you know, uh, most people are not familiar with the fact that... Feral hogs are really scary. Feral hogs are terrifying. Yeah. They're one of the most terrifying things in the United States. For sure. Um, and, you know, we have a bunch of horrific wildlife. You know, wolves. Bears. Bears. Uh, jaguars. Bobcats. Yeah. We got a bunch of scary wildlife. But wild boars are up there because they a eat everything but they get really big and can gore the shit out of stuff yeah especially because our for anyone who's curious we have a lot of just pig farms in the (laughs) united states and sometimes a pig will get out and it'll breed with the wild hogs and you'll get well what has been termed hogzilla but you'll get these humongous like pigs super pigs that are you know thousand pounds Stuff like that. It's wild. Yeah, I couldn't imagine fighting something that's a thousand pounds. <laughs> they're they they're not as big as bears. Well, actually, they're probably as big as small bears. Those like hybrid ones. But yeah, uh, they are they are very scary. Yeah, but a lot of people don't think that when they hear you know no pig. Well, because like a lot of people's view of pigs is like a farm pigs, which are usually pretty chill. Oh, you or, say like, that high like domesticated like pet pigs. I've straight up met some pigs where I've been told, yeah, that pig right there that ate someone. Oh. That's fucked up. Yeah, it ate a baby. <laughs> Are you joking? No. That's <gasps> fucked up, Ben. Where did you go when they were like, yeah, that pig ate a baby? Other countries. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I was like, what the hell? Where's Ben been hanging out? I did watch that same pig, though, eat a baby chick. Oh, my God. What a menace. Anyway, moving on from pigs. There's a new trailer for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, which we haven't seen the first one yet. Watch you saw the first one uh, off the podcast. It's bad. Yeah. It has a returning director in, I'm going to fucking butcher this name, Rice Frake Waterfield. The new one alleges to be bigger and better and bloodier due to an increased budget after the first film's success in the box office. So it's coming back. They're making another one, and it's supposed to be way grosser, allegedly, according to the director. Because they had a bigger budget. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. That first film is the definition of a cash grab. Yeah. I mean, for anyone who hasn't heard this, the masks in that film are not like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet masks. They are generic, like, scary bear and scary pig mask that they found on the internet and put on some people. Yeah. No. I, I haven't heard good things about the first one, but... They're making another one. Yeah, I mean, it's an opportunistic film. Yeah. And from what I heard, that director makes a lot of, like, really, really low-budget stuff like that. So I'm not sure how, like, a sequel is going to be. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, this one. Okay, I said you'd be excited about Texas Chainsaw. This you'll be excited about. I promise, okay? There's a new untitled Evil Dead spinoff film in the works. Uh, it's to be directed by Sebastian, I think it's Vanacek, 
Vanasek? I don't know how the fuck to say his name. The like people's names are hard. Uh, who previously directed Infested, which debuted at Fantastic Fest last year and was taken by Shudder for distribution. So, Shudder thought he made a good movie and distributed it, which is like a pretty good sign. Shudder is the Netflix of horror. They'll take anything. Yes! No offense, Shudder. We love you here. Yeah, we do love you, but I, I get it. But I'm just saying, you know, a streaming server picked it up, so it can't, you know, and it has good reviews. I was looking. The thing that is cool is Vanacek, the director, was hired by Sam Raby and his production company, and the film was to be produced by Rob Tappert's Ghost House Pictures. So, Sam Raimi has signed off on it and gone, hey, I like this director. I think he'll make a cool movie. Yeah, I guess. I I don't know what they'd be doing for a spinoff film. My assumption is it might just be the same thing as we saw with uh, Evil Dead Rise. I don't know about that where it's Well, so Evil Dead Rise is, I guess you could say it's a spinoff film in the fact that it's not like about Ash. Oh, okay. Like it's not a remake. It's a spinoff. Mm-hmm. In the sense that it's not a remake, but it's set in the Evil Dead universe. Yeah, I assume it's a remake in that sense, which means it'll still be following the same storyline. Yeah, just not the same characters. I don't, I don't know. know. I think it's cool that they're doing like extended Evil Dead universe <laughs> stuff. No, it's cool that we're getting more Evil Dead stuff because the last gap was a long time. Yeah, because what it was Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two. Army of Darkness, and then Evil Dead in 2013 or something? Yeah, that sounds about right. Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. Yeah, the remake, and then Evil and then Dead Rise. Rise, yeah. So, cool that they're already announcing new stuff for the franchise, because a lot of people love Evil Dead, like yourself. Well, I mean, Evil Dead Rise just made a lot of money. That's fair. Okay. Child's Play news. This is, well, Okay, this is Child's Play. This is cool, okay? that's what, I'm going to say this. This is just a cool thing that I learned. Okay. Don Mancini. Of Todd's Play Acclaim, you know, directed, or I don't know if he did, did he direct the first one? No. He worked on uh, basically all of them. The first one was Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, The older version of our newest Spider-Man, Tom Holland, right? Yeah, there it is. That's the name of the director, I think, for the first one, because they have the same name. Yeah, and he's mad about it or something. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, Don Mancini has stated, after years of being asked... When will Chucky go to space? He's announced that he finally has an idea. And as of right now, there's nothing confirmed. There's nothing, nothing is planned to happen. But Don Mancini has gone on record and said, hey, if you guys want, I have an idea for a Chucky space film. We'll take him there if you guys want us to. So, oh God. in the future, oh God. we may get Chucky in space, That's which gonna, I think is so fucking cool. It's going to be so stupid. That's awesome, though. So, it sounds awesome, except you have not been exposed to all the insert horror movie villain in space. You did get exposed to Jason X. Which is my favorite Friday the 13th film. Right, but see, that's that's the higher end of the spectrum. You have not met Leppy Boy in space. Well, Leprechaun sucks. Which is the low end of that spectrum. And what you'll learn when you watch Leprechaun in space is that adding space to something can make it infinitely better or infinitely worse. But, like... Most of the Child's Play films are at least okay. No, yeah. Uh, the thing I'm going to point out here, though, and what I think is going to make it really weird, and that that's going to be the focus with this idea, is if he goes through with it, one of the things you should remember is all the Child Play movies, except for the, I don't know, what is it, the 2022 one? Yeah. Whatever the remake was that was really, really recent. 
And um, people didn't like that one. I think the most recent Child's Play movie have been interconnected. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, the newest remake is technically a Child's Play movie mm-hmm. by name, but it's one of those things where they just slap the name yeah. on there, and it's... Well, because doesn't it, even the TV show tie into the yeah. movies? So everything except that one thing, thing, which, to be honest, was probably a thing for renewing the rights for the original mm-hmm. parent company, have been done by um, Mancini. That's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, have been done by Mancini and his partner, and they're all interconnected. Like, the timeline is pretty straightforward, all things considered. And while they, like, will drop ideas, those ideas were still canon. Mm-hmm. Point being is that, you know, even the TV show is canon, and that's actively being produced. And so we got this really, really long, stable Chucky timeline, and I'm not sure where space falls in space would fall in because either you go all right we're gonna send chucky the space in between season blank and blank of the show the show Mm -hmm. or we're gonna do what jason x did and set this in the future Mm. and then have him go to the future but that's its own thing because then it's like well that's now set out in the timeline yeah i don't know i think it's pretty cool and it's it's i of the slasher villains I want to see go to space. Chucky is probably the coolest one because I feel like like Michael in space wouldn't be very fun. I mean, he's boring. It'd be boring. He's, well, that's just Michael for you. Ah, shut up. One and two and four are good. No, I'm not saying anything about the movies, but Michael as like the shape is not the most interesting thing yeah. ever. But like Freddy in space would be okay. Leatherface in space wouldn't be that interesting either, I don't think. But Chucky in space seems fun because he's small, similar to Leprechaun. Like, he could get around and do some cool stuff on a spaceship. You know what I mean? Uh, Last thing, The Conjuring 4 has been announced. Uh, It is to be directed by Michael... I'm going to butcher this name. I don't know if it's Chavez or Chaves. I don't know. I think it's Chavez. Is it Chavez? Probably. I don't know. It's not Chaves. I I don't know. I I just wrote it down. I read it. I didn't, you know. Uh, who's directed multiple films in the Conjuring universe, including The Nun 2 and The Conjuring Evil, ma- The Devil Made Me Do It. Ugh. Yeah. Those are all real bad. Are they? Damn, that's uh, crazy. The Nun 2 is a spinoff of a spinoff, so keep that in mind. Oh, it's not like a sequel to The Nun? It is, but The okay. Nun is a spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, it's like okay, a sequel okay. to a spinoff. I'm sorry, did I say spinoff to a spinoff? Yeah, that's why I was confused. Okay, uh, it's a sequel to a spinoff, which anyone who's watched The Conjuring universe, I think can generally agree that the spinoffs are not as good as the mainline movies. Yeah. Uh, however, The Devil Made Me Do It is the most recent mainline movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the consensus on that one was it was a big drop-off in quality really? compared to the ones before. I've never seen any of the Conjuring films. I've only heard amazing things about the first one. The, the first one's really good, and I think the subsequent ones are pretty decent. But I, I think, again, The Devil Made Me Do It, I think, has a different writing directing team. Mm, than okay. the uh, the usual mainline ones, I believe that's the whole deal. But yeah, the the first one's really really good, even though it's based on you know nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's all my news. All right. Well, that means guys that we can get into our last movie of the season. Yeah, or movie spot. You never know. Man. You'd never do that to me. You'd never do that to me or yourself, and I know that. I don't know. It depends on how much self-hatred I'm feeling. 
God damn it. But uh, with that being said, yeah, we got one spot left. It's Catholic movies. Yeah. There's one movie left. One spot movie left. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what choices you have. Because there are no more choices, there's, Benjamin. There's no choice. You've taken away my choice. Welcome to predestination. Oh, okay. One might say this is our final destination. Predestination's a better Catholic joke. <sighs> but that was a horror movie joke, bro. I know. We're not a Catholic podcast. <laughs> it's a horror movie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Some might say those are the same thing. Look, <laughs> the amount of movies we've seen with Catholic people in them. It's crazy. All right. Today, yeah. we're going to be watching The Day of the Beast. What the fuck is this? Uh, a movie you've never heard of. And I <laughs> didn't expect you to. Absolutely a movie I've never heard of. But it's a movie I've seen. Okay. And I enjoy. Okay. Uh, it came out in 1995. Whoa. Surprisingly new. Yeah. Uh, description. Sometimes the greater good requires the most evil acts. Oh, good God. This is going to be fucked up, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> no. Fantastic. Um, It's an hour and 39 minutes long. Okay. It's rated R. Thank God. Uh, IMDb gave it a 7.3 out of 10. Hmm. Tomato Meter gave it a 77%. Hell yeah. And an audience score of 85%. Oh, what a good movie to end the season on, hopefully. Awards. It has 16 wins and 14 nominations. Damn! Including a Goya Award for Best Director, which uh, it's been a while since I've done these notes. I believe that's like the premier award for a film in, I think it's Italy? Oh, that's cool. Or Spain. One of the countries this uh, came from. <laughs> it's an Italian and Spain feature. Oh. Italian and Spanish feature. That's sick. Um, if you're curious. Notable actors, Alex Angulo as Father Angel Bariarchua. Uh, he played Dr. Ferriero in Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, Armando de Raza as Professor Cavan. Uh, he played Diego de la Vega and Olay. Santiago Segura as Jose Maria. She played Torrenti in Torrenti, the dumb arm of the law. I think he played. Terrell Pavez as Rosario. Uh, played Celestina in La Celestina. Nathalie Cecina as Mina. Uh, she played Lucretia in La Celestina. And then Maria Grazia Casinota as Susanna. Uh, she played Beatrice Russo in The Postman. And sorry if I, I got those names incorrect. They're all Spanish names, I believe. Directors Alex de la Iglesia. Uh, he also directed The Oxford Murders in 2008. And the writers are Jorge Guerra who also wrote Cell 211. And Alex de la Iglesia, you know, the director, who also wrote The Bar. Uh, budget is estimated at. 2.1 million euros. Okay. With a estimated box office of 4.36 million euros. Oh, pretty good pretty so good turnout. Pretty good turnout. Like I said, it's uh, a Spain and Spanish and Italian. I keep saying Spain. Spanish and Italian feature. It's a country of origin. In Spain, the original title is El Dia de la Bestia, 
it's just the translation of the day of the beast Mm -hmm. and the tagline here and i'm gonna paraphrase okay because i think the tagline was in the poster in spanish and i Mm -hmm. i vaguely had to translate it myself but a satanic comedy huh (laughs) hold Um, on what and fun fact about this feature is it was uh, featured on The Last Drive-In, Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, sweet. If you want to go watch it there, when we're done here, Bob, you can do that. That's actually sick as fuck. That's all I got. That's all you have? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm more excited now. I thought this was going to be a not fun movie. Uh, You know, it can be a little bit of both. Like, I thought this was going to be like one of those situations where like we get to the end of the movie and I go, that was a good movie, but now I'm scared and sad. Uh, that could also be the case with this film. But this film is also a hoot, so, you know. Jesus Christ. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. All right, see you in a bit. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Day of the Beast. Yeah. So, what do you think, Bob? Um? Because you've been a little bit weird since the end of the movie. Yeah. I like it. Okay. But I... Let me put it this way. <laughs> I don't know how to feel. Okay. But I enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing I'll say about this movie is it's very, very fun. It's a fun movie. This is a fun movie. I watched it for the first time on The Last Drive-In. Ah, okay. Um, oh, this is this would be such a good Last Drive-In episode. It is such a great Last Drive-In episode because, you know, he gives a bunch of background information and stuff. Not that I remember any of it because it's been a couple years since I saw it, but... The my reason for bringing this up is this movie is a lot of fun. I was watching it by myself, and my roommate walked into the room, saw like thirty seconds of that movie, and then sat down and watched the rest of it with me. Because yeah. it, it is just, it's such a what the fuck movie in the best like funniest way possible. I mean, uh, what was the tagline? A satanic comedy. Yeah, it really checks out. It yeah, it's pretty funny. It is, it's- however, very what the fuck. It's it's funny in a the actual content of the film is not what's funny. No. It's the situations that these characters find themselves in. <laughs> it's the absurdity of it all. It's just the insanity of it. Because it's not like over the top ha 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 ridiculous funny. It's like I can't believe I'm watching this happen right now kind of funny. Yep. It's almost like I said it in the movie Mr. Bean-esque where like you have this character that is so unaware of how insane the things they are doing like and they're just straight face doing it. It's just like, what? Uh, uh, yep. I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. Yeah, it's it's wild. And on that note, though, uh, we're going to get into the film. So obviously, uh, spoilers going forward. I'd highly recommend going into this film blind. Y- yeah. I That's what we basically did for Bob. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I gave my description and there's that little tagline. But I basically gave no information about mm-hmm. what this film is about. And that's how I'd recommend you go into it. This is such whiplash from the other two films in this <laughs> yeah. category this season. So, yeah, I, I'd honestly recommend you go watch it before I give my description. But I'm going to give a description that's going to have some, you know, minor spoilers. And then we'll ha- talk about the film. Those are where our actual spoilers will be. And then I think we're going to do a spoiler section to talk about the ending of this film. Because I think it's very important. And obviously, major spoilers there. But with that being said, I'm going to do a brief rundown. So... What this film is about is it's about a priest. I think his name is, what, Angel? Yeah. I don't know how to say his last name because I, I don't speak it's, Spanish. It's Spanish, but I think it's 
it's Angel in Spanish, right? Yeah, his name is Angel. Or at least that's the name he gives a bunch. No, that's his last name. It's just Angel in Spanish, and I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. I think it's... No, he's Father Angel Beriatua. I don't know. I don't know. Um. Anyways, he is a theologist. So he's someone who studies uh, theology, so like religion. And specifically, uh, he studies Catholic theology. Mm-hmm. And... His area of focus is the apocalypse. I forget what specific book it is. It's not in the Bible as far as I'm concerned, but it's a specific book about the apocalypse. Yeah. It's very, very famous. It starts up with like a TH. He not, he names it a couple of times. Yeah. Anyways, uh, there's this text on the apocalypse. It's very famous. If you know, you know. But uh, it's where all like the Four Horsemen stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. And... What the father's main concern was with this text was interpreting it to figure out when the apocalypse is going to happen because that whole text is very uh, futurist. It's about like when the apocalypse will happen, mm-hmm. what will happen, not like when exactly it's going to occur. And the father is interested in like, hey, when exactly it's going to occur. And he ends up doing a bunch of like <laughs> high-level theory stuff. Mm-hmm. It It honestly sounds like crazy conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, it sounds nuts. Because he's looking at, like, letters and how they are interpreted to, like, theological numbers and a bunch of other stuff. So it all sounds pretty crazy. He's coming at it from a a religious aspect, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's very borderline there. And he's determined that the apocalypse is going to start on, what, December 25th? Yeah. Like at dawn. Mm-hmm. Because... The Antichrist is going to be born then, and that's going to spell the end of the world. And his plan is he needs to find the Antichrist to stop his rise. Yeah. And to do so, he is going to commit as many evil acts as possible so he can make a pact with Satan, and Satan will lead him to the Antichrist so he can be kind of a, well, theoretically, he can be a kind of, like, protector, and then he can, like, betray Satan and... Destroy the Antichrist. Most insane plan it, I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. And so, yeah, that that's, that's the film. It's basically him trying to commit evil acts and then make a pact with Satan to find the Antichrist, who he believes is going to be born in Madrid. Yep. So that sounds interesting. Go watch it now before we talk about it. On that note, though, Bob, would you like to start us off? So this is where the Mr. Bean things come from. thing comes from. We're watching A Priest run around Madrid, and just commit the most heinous crimes. Yeah, in fact, the opening of this film, like when the credits are playing, because this is still when they play the credits over, like, parts of the movie, Yeah, right at the beginning, is just basically a montage of the priest, you know, coming to Madrid and walking around, looking around, but just committing random acts of terror. Yes! Which Bob could not believe. I was stunned! Much to my annoyance. He was like, why is he doing these evil things? And it's like, he just said he was committing evil acts. I didn't believe him. I thought he was going to commit one big evil act, not a bunch of petty evils to try and convince the devil to come hang out with him. And it it immediately sets the tone for the movie. Like, he steals from a homeless man. Pushes a mime down some stairs. A guy's in a car accident. He, like, walks up to him, steals his wallet. He gives him his last rights. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He goes to give him his last rites, looks around to see if anyone's watching, steals his wallet, and then whispers in his ear, I hope you 
go to hell. <laughs> that's that's what's so funny is we're watching someone who is, you know, supposed to be a good person. Oh, yeah. Doing all these awful, horrible things. But also, he feels so bad about it the entire time. Every time afterwards, he goes, do you think I like doing this? Yeah. I'm doing it because I have to. But, yeah, so that that's how the movie starts. And it's just a spiral from there. And I, I think that's kind of the main thing I want to note here is that this movie feels very off the seat of his pants. Yeah. Because essentially what is happening is this father knows that, you know, he wants to commit evil acts because he wants to make a pact with Satan. Yeah. So he can find the Antichrist. And it's basically one of those plans where he has the first step and he doesn't know anything else. So what this film is, is it's very much him bumbling his way to the ending. Yeah. Again, I think that's why Bob gets, you know, the Mr. Bean kind of feel from the whole thing. But... it creates a very, very random feeling movie. And yet yeah. at the same time, and I, I, I really want to come home on this, everything feels naturally evolving. Mm-hmm. Like everything flows to a natural conclusion, even if it feels like the priest is grasping in the dark. And I, I think that comes from a place of like the way the film is shot and the way it's framed. Everything is set up, story-wise at least, from framing stuff. Like there's this really, really big thing that they see at one point in the film and I, I, I yell it in the, you'll probably hear it in the outtakes I go oh look a big ass thing and then I'm like oh my god it came back around the big ass thing is here now we're doing a thing on the big ass thing it's super cool the film is very good at giving you hints at what is going to happen before it happens so when it eventually occurs it feels natural and like it was supposed to have happened yeah but I, I think on that same page it, it's important to note that like the film isn't afraid to take detours even though you know, you can tell that the film has plotted itself out very well. Like, it knows where it's going, even though it's creating a very random kind of aesthetic. There's a bunch of just nonsense thrown into the background to make everything feel more real. Yeah. For instance, there's just this random grandpa <laughs> that no, is grandpa. unclothed for most of the movie, and he just yeah. appears randomly. He, I think he's wearing just, like, a robe. Or just a robe, and it's mostly open. It's, it's all the way open, then. Bob wanted you to know he saw his first dong. Oh, yeah. First movie dong for the podcast. We've seen boobs in movies. We've seen butts in movies. But first movie dong. And it was some old grandpa. But, yeah. And I, I think the thing I want to come to a conclusion on here is that this movie just feels very real. Like, the city of Madrid feels like it's really Madrid in 1995. No, yeah. All that stuff feels really good. Like, everything, you know, the priest is running around all these shitholes and doing all this crazy stuff. But... Everything looks realistic. It feels like it has weight. All his actions feel like they have consequences. I mean, I think this is most evident in a lot of the makeup effects. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot. Again, this film is very down to earth. Over time, as the priest does more and more outlandish things, he gets hurt. And they keep up with the makeup uh-huh. over time. And it's very sure. impressive. No, and I think the fact that everything feels so real and grounded and it feels like the environment that the priest is in has weight and consequence, makes all of the fucking insane things he does so much funnier. Oh, yeah. Because it's it it makes everything he does feel so inane. And I'm just like, you're fucking crazy. Like, no sane person would be doing this right now. Yep. And the contrast is really what makes the film so funny. Yeah. However, and I think the biggest thing to note about this film, and the, the point I really want to talk about with this film, because, to be honest... This film's an experience. 
Oh, yeah. There's not really a lot, I think, to talk about mm-hmm. in the general, like, aesthetic side of things because, you know, it's a very gritty, real aesthetic. But I think the biggest thing to talk about is what is actually happening. <laughs> All right? So the film is set up in a way, right, where yeah. this priest is convinced that he's basically read this theological text correctly, mm-hmm. and his goal is to prevent the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, you know, committing evil acts to make a pact with Satan to sell his soul and then kill the Antichrist right when it's born. Which, admittedly, sounds like a crazy person. Oh, absolutely. And everyone treats him like a crazy everyone person. Everyone treats him like a crazy person. As they should. Person. But I, I want to note here that the film is shot in such a way that it kind of seems like everything he's doing is, you know, the crazy ramblings of just an insane conspiracy theorist. Yeah. However, at the same time, and what I think is so just amazing about this movie is that there's also things done to make it seem like it could potentially be real. No, yeah. And so, you know, I think we kind of touched on this point already, but a lot of this feels like it could be fake because everything feels very coincidental. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's just going with the flow and hoping for the best and it just kind of happens to work out. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, gives the film a feeling of, oh, the priest is a crazy person, whatever. But at the same time, there is a lot of stuff in the background that really carries over and supports his theory. Mm -hmm. Straight off the bat, the priest is convinced that the Antichrist is going to appear in Madrid because Madrid's like a shithole in this film. Yeah. Nothing about Madrid in real life, but the Madrid in this universe is horrific. And, you know, in that, those opening sequences where we see the priest walking around Madrid, you know, causing little evil acts that blew Bob out of the water. It's really, really interesting on a secondary or tertiary watch to look around and notice how, like, horrific this city is. You know, the priest is convinced that the Antichrist is going to be born here because it's basically hell on earth. And the film does a great job of showing this in the background, especially in the early parts of the film where things are still, like, set in reality. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, there's lots of homeless people everywhere. Trash, graffiti. Graffiti. Random acts of violence. Like, Mm -hmm. we see police start beating people out of nowhere. There's just random car accidents. Later on in the film, we see someone get, we don't even see it. People get murdered. Yeah. And we see someone walk into a store and pay for stuff without reacting to, like, the Mm -hmm. dead bodies. And that's just a constant thing throughout the film. Like, this version of Madrid is hell on earth. In a similar vein, there's just a lot of other things that are just randomly supporting that. Yeah. Lots of good imagery stuff that makes it like, that makes the fact that the priest is being a bit of a madman feel more, I don't know, okay? (laughs) Yeah, it's just, again, there's little things scattered throughout that feel like coincidence. Yeah. And they could be coincidence, but they could also be real. Yeah, support of his theory. Because... Again, you know, this priest believes that, you know, the Antichrist is real, so the devil's real and God's real. And so, like, there's this undertone of, well, if he's correct, all these little happenstances are, like, divine. You know, it's actually signs from God. Like, there's a bunch of things like that where he'll see something random, yeah, like, in the background, and that'll lead him to the right place. For instance, at one point in time, he gets a flaming message that, like, delivered to him. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the best example of this, though, is 
right at the beginning of the film, the father tells someone his plan, and out of nowhere, the guy dies through the yeah. most like ridiculous set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it, it really just, it's just one of those little things where it's like, oh, this could be nothing, mm-hmm. or it could be complete support of yeah. the idea. There's actually other examples of that uh, later in the film. The father actually gathers other people to help him. He has like a there's a gang because there's a there's a a large symbolism here of like parallels between the birth of Jesus Jesus and the father's purported birth of the Antichrist. Yeah. So the father gathers himself and two other helpers. Uh, one of them's a psychic and one of them's Bob, <laughs> but Spanish. Jesus Christ. And like at one point in time. There's like, you know, out of random happenstance, one of the guys ends up by himself and someone around the guy gets electrocuted to death. But if you pay attention, the person who dies is picking up a pen that belongs to the psychic. Yeah. And it's very clear that the psychic would have picked up his own pen eventually Mm -hmm. and died there. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of little coincidences that it's like, oh, this could be written off as just happenstance or divine. No, yeah. And I... I'm going to bring this back around again. That's what makes everything the priest's doing feel so funny and ridiculous and insane is because there is reasonable doubt throughout the entire film that this is all just fucking inane chaos. This guy's crazy. None of this is real. He's just a maniac. And if the film were to lean too heavily into the whole, oh, yes, the Antichrist is real. This is like a really like a quest. It wouldn't be funny. No. Because it would be like, oh, this is serious. But because it takes itself so lightheartedly and creates reasonable doubt that everything that he's doing isn't actually mattering or anything like that, it works and makes it a really enjoyable experience. Yeah, it's the balance between those two elements of is this real or is this fake that I think really sells the movie. Yeah, because if you lean either way, it's it wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work. Yeah, and it really is hard to describe because a lot of what sells that is the background stuff yeah like bob said stuff comes around so much it's really good everything in the background reappears Mm -hmm. like even small shit that you'd never even think of like you literally see like a sign in the background or like people do something in the background and it comes back 30 minutes later like oh my god i can't believe this is here again yeah i mean even i'm gonna touch on the two other apostles for the antichrist you know three wise men appear early on in the film, but don't become actual characters till later. Yeah. Like, we meet Bob for half a second. What's... Oh, uh... Jose. Jose Maria. We meet Jose Maria for, like, a couple seconds at the beginning of the film, and then he pops up and becomes a big character later. Same thing for the psychic. We see him on TV. Like, a bunch. And Literally at the beginning of the film. He seems like he's not going to be a main character. Yeah. But then he is. And, yeah, it's just... It's really, really tightly written. It all leans into this whole, like prophetic nature feel of the film by giving itself good setup that makes things feel it, I'm trying to just think of how to describe it but it's like the film is about a prophecy and the film tells itself before it knows it's prophesizing yeah the the film is really working its way through its own question yeah as you watch it and it, it really makes it hard to talk about because it feels like nothing happens and yet at the same time <laughs> So much is going on. Yeah. With that being said, do you have anything other like specifics that you want to talk about? Because I think this film is really hard to talk about. I do too. And I'm trying to think if there's anything like anything that I can say right now that I don't think needs to go in the spoiler section. Yeah. The sound's oh. really good. 
Oh, yeah, no, the sound is really good. A lot of it's natural, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. They do a... Uh, there's not, like, an insane amount of music, but when they do have music, it's stuff that makes sense for, like, the place they are, and then it works into the things that are happening really well. Yeah. It, like, all blends, and it's really nice. I will say, there's one more thing we haven't really talked about that sort of leans back into the fact of, is this real, is this not? They take a lot of drugs. Oh, yeah. At one point during the movie. And Besides it, the fact that they're all, like, kind of invested in it already. Yes. So there's some of that sense of belief. It really helps, like, come on to the fact that the three of these people are all on the same drugs. Maybe everything that they're seeing, it also just isn't real. Maybe they're all hallucinating. Yeah. And that is one of the best parts of this whole film for me, and it's, like, my favorite part, is watching this and going, that could just not be real. Like, that's they're, they're just all seeing that at the same time because they're group hallucinating. Yeah. Like, once again, leads back into the whole thing, but that's, like, the last thing I want to talk about. All right, so I, I think we'll go to a spoiler section. Sure. I think this film is kind of, again, hard to talk about unless we get into some stuff, especially with the ending. Yeah. Um, but with that note, we're, we're going to go into that, so spoilers ahead. Hello, everybody. This is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that if you do not want any major spoilers about the end of this film, please skip to 58 minutes and 6 seconds. Once again, for no major spoilers about the end of this movie, please skip to 58 minutes and 6 seconds immediately. All right. So been wanting to talk about it for a while but you know we've we've been going on about how this film is very debatable about well it's whether it's real or fake right and you know i think the thing to note is that they keep you leaning on to that idea the entire film like they do work their way through all the things they're trying to do they somehow bumble their way to committing a bunch of evil acts summoning satan summoning satan seeing satan making a pact with satan making a pact with satan and then using all the information they've gathered the whole film to find a baby where they think they're supposed to find a baby. Yeah. And then kill it. So I, I think that is very important to note. And so I, I think I want to ask here whether or not you thought it was real. Let me put it this way. I hope it was real. I hope for their own mental health and their mental faculties that all of this was real and it was worth it. Because they definitely killed a lot of people. I? Ben. They definitely killed a couple people. Not they, a lot. They definitely, a did couple. A lo- they definitely did a lot of bad shit. And I, I'm going to be honest. I am more of a fan of the fact that it's real. Like, in my opinion, I think it being real is way better than if it was fake. Because if it was fake, then it's just like the end feels fucking awful to me. Yeah. Which we haven't talked about what the ending is. But if it's not real, the ending, it just actually kind of makes me mad. Yeah, see, I I wanted to ask you, because my read on this film, and it's, again, why I put this in the spoiler section, because it's hard to talk about this film without my read on it, is that the events are real, but are set in a universe where, like, religion isn't, like, a super obvious thing, and so all the events are very happenstance kind of stuff, and so the whole idea being that, yeah, they actually did do what they thought they did, but because the world works in this whole frame set that it does, it doesn't seem like they did anything. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of interesting. But I think the reason I think that is, A, because, as Bob said, it feels kind of lackluster mm-hmm. if none of it's real. But also, there is some insane coincidences. Yeah. And I think the most notable one is the second that, you know, the priest comes to Madrid, 
one of the first groups we see him meeting is this group of, I don't know, traveling like homeless people. Yeah. One of them's pregnant and they have a goat. And it's very specifically the group he finds with the baby at the end of the film. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's just a ton of stuff that's just like almost too coincidental for how this film was made. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's the point. It's supposed to feel too coincidental to pull you into this belief that, yeah, you know, it's real. But I, I think it comes down to the the point of the whole film where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, the end of the film is they get to this place where the supposed Antichrist is supposed to be. And the child dies kind of without their input. Like a bunch of random people who we've seen beating up the homeless the whole film. Mm -hmm. Just these rich guys spray painting uh, clean up Madrid, I think is what it is in Spanish. Uh, Just happen to murder this group of homeless people and kill the baby. And so like at the end of the day, it feels like their actions didn't matter. And we even get a fast forward to the future and, you know, it's the father and the apostles sitting down on a bench and they're like, we can't tell anyone because no one would understand. We look like fucking crazy people. Yeah. Because in the outer world, nothing changed. Yep. Literally nothing mattered, which is like. And I think that's such a unique part of this film. This idea that like, if you succeed, if you do this epic thing. Not only is it not going to necessarily feel any different than doing crazy bullshit, but the world isn't going to change. It's such an, I don't want to say it's unsatisfactory for an ending, but it is because it it feels like the movie is coming to this like epic conclusion where they're like literally facing off with Satan and they're like doing all this crazy shit to get to this epic goal. And then it ends and it's like, ah, who cares? Yeah. Which is, it's not, it. It feels unsatisfactory. But it's perfect for this movie. But it's fucking immaculate for this film. Yeah. Because it makes the, like, bumbling idiot, like, priest trying to figure all this stuff out, it feels so real. Oh, and he's so bumbling. It it does feel like he just was raised on a convent. Like, it feels so nice for that ending. But, like, story-wise, it's like, oh my god, I can't... The movie ended, and I was literally sitting silent, looking at the screen, so angry... And how it ended, I've come to terms with it at this point. I really like it, but it's just so like, what the fuck, guys? I will say, I do think it's interesting that, you know, like I said, the priest and the apostles don't actually kill the quote-unquote antichrist. Yeah. But it does feel like they technically lured in the people who do the deed. Yeah. Because those people looked like they were trying to shoot them. Oh, they definitely were. (laughs) Uh, So I, I do think that's worth noting. However, I think the big thing I want to talk about here is, like, the actual ending. It It's a jump forward in time, right? Yeah. To establish that nothing they did mattered. Like because nine months. The surviving apostles, it's very specifically the father and the uh, psychic, are sitting on a bench, and they're now homeless, uh, which is a very interesting point to make. You know, both of them were pretty affluent. One of the things we haven't mentioned here is the priest was supposedly, like, a pretty respectable guy i mean he was a professor at like a theological college but i think there's a photo at one point of him shaking hands with with the the pope Pope. yeah and obviously the psychic was a big psychic like he yeah what had an audience of 10 million people or something yeah he was like broadcast across madrid and like spain is like one of the biggest like on-air tv psychics so uh you know they both ended up destitute now uh which i think is a very interesting point to make of like oh they did this duty and now they're 
cursed for it. I mean, the father yeah. sold his soul to the devil in mm-hmm. his mind uh, to do so. But what I think so interesting about the ending is we get to see them walk off down this pathway. And if the way the, the ending sequence is shot is it makes this pathway look like it's stretching on into the horizon mm-hmm. with these framing of trees along the pathway. And what I think so interesting about that is it forms this symbol that kind of looks like... Um, how would you describe that? Like two lines curving in together? It, I mean, it's almost like you're trying to make a triangle, but you didn't put the tip on it. Like a teepee, but no bottom. Yeah, or, or top. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because that's what they determine is the mark of the devil Yeah, in this movie. And so I, I just want to mention the, the imagery right there. But what I love about the ending of this film, besides the fact that it leaves this whole thing super ambiguous and potentially very uh, non-fulfilling is that the area they film the ending in is very, very well-picked for this film. So this is in a park in Madrid, mm-hmm. and there's a statue there. Uh, we actually get to see the fountain, and it's framed as the credits are going. That is the Fountain of the Fallen Angel, and is, oh, I think as far as I know, like the only statue of the devil <laughs> like in a public place. Oh, that's a statue of the devil. Didn't know yep. that. That makes sense. In Madrid. God and damn. I think it's this great closing moment of... There is so many coincidences in this film. Like, here we're ending it on this, here's the devil. And it, it very much gives, at least for me, this idea that, like, the devil is always constant in this universe. Like, they defeated him, quote, unquote, but he's still there. This is such a nothing film. <laughs> I just thought it was a cool The events ending. of this film mean nothing. No, yeah, it really is a nothing film, but it, it's a lot of fun. That's so upsetting. It's so unsatisfactory, but in a good way. And that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm sitting here like, I like it. It's a good movie. But fuck, guys. You couldn't have given me... Oh, boy. What a fucking... What a movie to end the season on, Benjamin. All right. Well, I think we can go back to the regular section. Yeah, I think so. All right. Okay, we're back. That, that, That spoiler section was a little bit iffy it was light as this whole episode i think has been a bit iffy uh because you know this this whole movie is it's something it's just very hard to talk about because it's not again it's an experience with that being said do you want to give recommendations yeah if you want a funny movie a funny horror movie this is funny this is a very funny film oh it's very funny we were laughing a lot and having a really good time in fact i would say it's one of those films that it starts very not so funny. It and feels s- very serious. Ramps up in absurdity over time. Yeah. And it's great because it, it draws you into the absurdity and that makes it funnier. It's slow. It's a slow buildup, which you really need in this case. So, you know, if you're looking for like a funny horror movie, it's pretty funny. If you want a movie about the apocalypse and its <laughs> consequences, this is a good one. I, I think it's a very it's very anti-omen in the sense that like it's a guy trying to stop the apocalypse by killing the antichrist but in a more it's it's just like a much more goofy hilarious take on it which i really like yeah i mean i think what you're trying to get at is the omen feels very like big like very i would almost say like the word i want to use here is gothic and this one feels very modern yeah that's that's a good way to put it yeah there's just a difference in scale but also like in I don't know. Feeling? Weight? Weight. Yeah. Yeah, so if you like The Omen, check this out. It's a very different take, take on, on that. Take on the same concept. 
I think I think that's it. I'm trying I'm trying to come up with stuff, but this movie's really hard to describe. Yeah. Okay. Look. First of all, Spanish film. Yeah, that's fair. It's also I think from Italy somewhat. I'm not sure how that comes in. I don't remember. But it's all in Spanish and it, it feels very Spanish. So, you know, if you're you're looking for that, I think this is a good recommendation. I'd put it up there with Rack as far yeah. as recommendations go for like Spanish films. I think it is it's very, very well done. But you know, the biggest recommendation here is if you're looking for an Antichrist film. Yeah. That focuses less on like, oh, the Antichrist is here, but more on like the the coming of the Antichrist. I like Bob said in Apocalypse. This one's great for that. With that being said, the big thing to note about this film is that it is a dark comedy. It's very, very dark in a very absurdist way. And so if that sounds like a good time to you, this film is a lot of fun. You know, if you're willing to laugh at like, oh, this guy's bumbling down some stairs while trying to like kidnap and murder a woman, that's your thing, then yeah. The murder was implied. This is going to be very fun. But I think the recommendation that I want to note the most here is that this film is very, very nihilistic. You know, it's very much in the stakes of, does any of this matter? Like, is this real? And I, I, th- I think that's really the tone that shapes this movie. And what makes it so hard to describe? Because it's like, is this real? Is it not? What is even happening? Because, I mean, you know, there's all this, this horrible stuff happening in this film, but no one in the city really notices. <laughs> yeah. Um. With that being said, rate it. I'm in a really, really weird spot, Ben. Because like I like this movie a lot, and mm-hmm. I think it's really fun, and I think it's I think it's an enjoyable film to watch. But like you know, normally when we give ratings, we try to ra- give it to like a general like what we think. We try to take in like a general audience's opinion on it. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't recommend a film, give it a high rating if I'm like wouldn't recommend it to a general audience. And this is a film where like yeah, I had a good time. I like this film. I sat down and I watched it, and it was fun and enjoyable. I don't know if anyone could just pick this up and watch it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a there are so many layers and different things you have to unpack to really get all of it that I don't know how enjoyable it would actually be. But also, I don't know how high this movie goes up on my scale. Like, where does this is such a unique idea for a film that I've never really considered. Like, it's a unique premise alone, and also has just like insane stuff in it that I. It's so weird. I don't know where to put it. Is yeah. what I'm getting at. It's. It's something very unique because it's not how you'd expect anyone to approach this concept, especially coming off something like The Omen. Exactly. So I'm in a really, really weird spot, so I'm going to go with my gut. It at least deserves a four, but I think I might give it a four and a half. And you know what? I am going to give it a four and a half, and I'm going to explain myself because I said this during the movie, and I wanted to talk about it, and I forgot. This movie, while it is inane and stupid, and it's like this priest bumbling his way through trying to stop the apocalypse, it's also stupid smart. Like, this movie is so, so smart in the way they use stuff that, like, comes back around or using actual, like, real stuff that is true, like actual facts, actual knowledge, tidbits of information that I have to give it that. It's really good. I really like this movie. Yeah. um, Again, I'm in that exact same... Space is Bob. You know, I, I knew this film was coming up on the board. Obviously, I, I designed these. And it was one of those movies where I was like, I'm looking forward to watching this with Bob because I enjoy this film. I think it's great. But it's it's a weird film. I mean, I, I'm not sure how well this recording's going to turn out because because this film has just been so hard for us to talk about. And I, I, I do feel like we're kind of going around in circles with it. You know, the whole thing's 
it's very inane and it's a very weird take on the whole like oh the antichrist is coming we have to stop him yeah but like bob said i think the big thing to note about this movie is that you know for how hard it is to talk about because it's just an experience and how like what the fuck everything that happens in this film is it's so well done yeah like it's it's a weird movie, but it's hard to pull off this degree of weirdness successfully. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, this this movie is, it's beautifully done in a very artistic way, but it's been done in such a way to make something that is very, very much not art. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that deserves a high rating. I, I, I mean, I'm personally going to give it a 4.5 like Bob, because it's like... I don't know how you pull off this concept successfully, and I think the I don't movie either. did it. I don't either. I, I made a realization during your recommendation. Uh, it's very Dude Bro Party Massacre. <laughs> three, you mean? Yeah, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. It's very it's very much that, except, you know, not a movie about frat bros. Yeah, I mean, I think he means, like, this concept shouldn't work the way no! they did it. It's fucking crazy. But it somehow does. And it's, again, it's attention to detail. It's how it's shot. It's all the little things somehow working well together and coming back around and like making it make sense when it really should not be making sense no like the movie has to convince me to like be good it has to convince you to buy into what's happening yeah even though you shouldn't even though i don't want to but it did anyway but you kind of do exactly it's so weird it's one of the weirdest films we've ever seen on the show but is also so good like tetsuo which we watched like in season four or something, is a weird movie. But it's not weird like this. <laughs> no, Tetsuo's weird in a outlandish sense. Yeah. But it's kind of just like, oh, that was Tetsuo. This one's weird in a down-the-earth sense. Weird in a... It's like, it's Tetsuo feels like it's weird for weird's sake. This is weird for, like, I don't know. It just feels like weird stuff you could actually see happening. It's, oh, God, it's so strange. <laughs> It's so strange. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say about this movie. I think we're just going to go to the outtakes now. Yeah. (laughs) I'll see you in a bit. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of The Day of the Beast so far. I like this film. I think it's super duper fun. Maybe a little weird, but I think that makes it all the better. Now, without further ado, let's get into the outtakes. This first clip is my reaction to the very first kill of this film. Jesus Christ. Oh. My. Lord. That was awesome! I've never... Wow. That was really cool. I'm glad that cross was super wide. This next clip is my reaction to the priest beginning his reign of terror. Is he still? He's committing evil acts. He said he was going to do it. What a... But you stole from a homeless man. Evil acts, Bob. That's pretty evil, but that's... That's the point. That's fucked up. That's the point. I know, but come on. This next clip is to commemorate our very big milestone for the podcast. There's there's old man Dong on the TV. Yep. Is that our first 
hanging dong in a film? I don't know. It's not really hanging. More big chilling. This next clip is Ben and I making some accurate character comparisons once again. (laughs) (laughs) It's you! (laughs) No, it's not! What, does that make you the priest? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is is he doing? He's playing around. That's awesome. This next clip completely encapsulates how absolutely inane and ridiculous this film really is. Well, he's smoking a fat cigar and high as balls on LSD. (laughs) Oh my god. How long is this scene? He can't keep getting away with this. As long as it needs to be, Bob. Oh no, she saw. He's doing it for God. Oh, she's calling the cops! This next clip is our reaction to the film bringing background things all the way back around. This is crazy, by the way. Oh yeah. They're climbing down the swept sign. I saw this earlier and said, that's a cool sign. Did not expect this. I know. Holy fuck. Also remember, they're still definitely high on LSD. Well, yeah. That's why he's fucking losing his marbles. This next clip is our reaction to even more stupid shit that happens in this film. What is going on? How is this movie still happening? <laughs> Wait, you can't just throw that away! <laughs> yes, you can! You can't just put guns in the trash like that! No one's gonna stop him! You're right, because look at him! They look like fucking crazy people! The devil's laughing at us. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think there's any other holidays coming up. I don't know. We forgot about Valentine's if Day. If there is, we'll tell you like when the video comes out for that holiday. Yep. So we're not we're not good at keeping track of that. You know, usual stick then. As always, check us out wherever you get your podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other places. We're also on YouTube, which while not a platform for audio content. Is really nice for showing us some support. It's really easy for us to see like what viewer engagement is there. You know, with subscriptions, likes on specific episodes, stuff like that. YouTube also has a couple of handy tools for you guys to use uh, in case you don't have access to them other places. For instance, there's a search bar on our channel, which lets you search for specific keywords if you're curious about like any specific movie we might have covered. That can tell you like the specific episode that is, so you can find it elsewhere. Uh, there's also a bell button, which lets you get notified every time we post new stuff, in case we surprise you with a last-second holiday episode. For instance, Valentine, which came out randomly this year because we forgot to announce it super early. Um, aside from that, the big thing with YouTube, though, is it's one of the two major places to communicate with us at. You can do that in the comment section of a specific video you want to talk to us about, or you can go over to Twitter at Beware the Board and maybe talk to Bob about how you've broken down all the different characters in your favorite 
book, let's say uh, Twilight or Harry Potter, and have used it to determine what day the second coming of the podcast will be. Oh, second podcast? Yeah. Are we starting another podcast, Ben? A oh, podcast God. about the podcast? <laughs> podcast about the podcast. Didn't you pitch that at one point? <laughs> I swear to God, you pitched that to me. You're like, we should have a podcast about podcasts. And I was like, shut up. Jesus Christ. Anyway, like Ben said, check us out on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where we post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that week's worth of episodes, which is a hidden movie cover that you can reveal. So you watch the movie before we do. So whenever you listen to the episodes, you don't get any spoilers or being vague about stuff, you know what we're talking about. Then, on Fridays, or whatever the episode goes live, I always post a link to the episode. So if you ever missed uploading one someone up, there's always a link there. Last thing, we do short form content. I've actually been making them for a minute now. They're I know, coming out more regularly. It's shocking. It's pretty cool. Bob's very boom and bust on stuff like this. Uh, yeah. But apparently, you've been showing him a lot of support. He gets a lot of views on, I think, what, TikTok? Yeah, the TikTok views are making me feel actually motivated. And it makes him feel good. So he's like, ooh, yeah. endorphins. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, if you like short form content and like the show, check us out there. Apple with the board on TikTok and on YouTube. Shorts. Benjamin, I think that's it. Season's right. over, baby. Well, well, not yet. We got the wrap up next. next Final time. movie. But final movie, guys. Hope you liked it. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll announce our new stuff next oh, time. Oh, I'm so excited. You picked random yet? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. See you guys next time. <laughs>